This is the Tribune Audio Network. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. Janelle doing her cheerleading moves. Hi, V. Hi. Low V. Sip, survive, repeat. Welcome. Sip, survive, repeat, or as we like to call it, SSR. Which, did you know SSR is also some sort of tire brand? Tiger Anyone? brand or tiger? <laughs> tire. Okay. I thought you said tiger too. Oh my uh-huh. God. See? Who's a crazy one now? Apparently it's me. I said tire. I didn't know that. Yeah. Every time I put hashtag SSR, like lots of hashtags are SSR because people love talking about tires. I feel like they should sponsor us. It's <sighs> a smart plan. Mm-hmm. Good job, Danelle. My background's in marketing in case anybody wanted to know. <laughs> Probably not, though, but okay. Hey, I liked it. I just ate a handful of animal crackers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're here again today for episode number 11. 11. Also known as 1-1. Also known as 1 above 10. Or 1 below 12. We know math. So if you're into this for the math, you've come to the right place. You've come to the best place. Damn straight. Jenny, what's 10 plus 8? 18. What's zero plus one? Zero. Kidding. Just kidding, guys. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> Do you know that my husband, I can say to him, so we met bartending. He used to be a bartender. I was a waitress. And I can give him any, so like let's say a bill is like seven fifty eight, mm-hmm. And if someone gives him a 20, so we just assume that someone's going to give him a 20, he can tell me the change in like a second. What? Like we'll randomly be walking and I'll be like 637 and he'll be like, I don't know. He'll be like 1572. Instantly, he knows the, the change. Fun fact for you. Wow. If he's ever here, we'll make him do it. Yes, he I gets, would love that. He gets shy about it, but I think it's pretty amazing. It is more than pretty amazing. I was like, That's if he ever walks in the middle of recording, I'll just shout out. Do it. He'll, he'll answer. Good. Okay. Yes. Anyway, we still have yet to see him, so we aren't sure you're. We aren't one hundred percent sure you're married or living with your husband. He's George Glass. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Um. So we have a hometown. Yeah. Write them in. Do it all day long. So someone actually listened to us and said, "I'm going to email you at sipsurvivorepeat at gmail.com. and they did it, and we read it. Okay, so his name is Jason Whalen. Hi, Jason. He also reviewed us. I saw his review on Apple yes. Podcasts. Thank you for that. So this is what he said. I'm just going to read it verbatim. Great. Hi, Jenny, Danelle, and Kenny. Ooh. Look at Kenny got the invite. Okay, my name is Jason, and I've been loving your podcast since it first came out and find it so interesting. I love the podcast ATWWD. Which is, and that's why we drink. I looked that up. That wasn't part of the email. I'm going to have to check that one out. I know. And I feel like your podcast is a great happy ending version of it. So, anyways, here's my crazy survival story that I actually don't even remember, but I've heard the story repeatedly. <laughs> that's my favorite kind. Um, so, when I was about two or three, me and my family went camping up at Three Rivers in California. So when we got to the campsite, which was right on the river, my family was unpacking, and at one point, it was just me and my nine-year-old sister at the campsite while the others were bringing stuff from the car. So my little toddler brain saw a bright ball floating down the river, and I decided that I wanted wanted it, so I hopped right in the river. Oh, no. Which had very strong currents and rapids. 
and went after the ball. <laughs> no. Did no. anyone tell you not to go after mm. balls <laughs> in the road and stuff? Oh, my God. Immediately, my sister jumped in and got a hold of me. But we were pretty far out at this point. So she swam to a little island in the middle of the river, which was barely big enough, where I was sitting on her lap. And when the rest of the family got back to the campsite, my parents had to swim to the island to get both of us. We were both fine with no injuries, but needless to say, my sister never wanted to go camping there again, and she truly <laughs> saved my life that day. Love the podcast and can't wait to hear more episodes. That's great. Oh my gosh, Thanks I love for sharing. it. That's hilarious. I love it. I feel I have a toddler and I feel like that's the kind of crap he would do, which is why we aren't taking him camping or near any rivers in the near mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's kind of he's all over the place. So he's, two and three year olds. I mean, do you blame him if a ball's like floating in the river? I mean, did he say it was red? I feel like it was like brightly colored yeah. and floating away. I mean it's just saying, come get me, come play with me. Right, exactly. I get it. I get it. Shiny objects. I might do that now. Valid. Yes. No, I would. Like, look at that cool ball. We're going to go grab it. Go get it. (laughs) Well, thank you, Jason. We love hearing your stories. That was awesome. Um, Do we have anything else we need to cover before we get started? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Visit our website and visit us on social media. Done and done. Okay. Now, I think I go first this week. Yes. All right, so I am doing the shipwreck of the Essex. Mm, I don't know this one. You will when I get going. Okay, get ready. Um, Okay, so this ship was built in, hold on, I got to scroll up a little. In 1799 is when it was launched. So in 1820 was its last voyage. So that's... Short-lived. I feel like this is kind of like a... I don't know. Were ships back then kind of like disposable? I don't remember. Well, the la- when I was growing up back then, ships were very <laughs> disposable. I don't know. <laughs> back in the Dizay. Um, okay, so this ship, it hailed, it was a whaler, a whaling ship from Nantucket, Massachusetts. Mm. So already Danelle hates it because they were killing whales. Yeah. In fact, the person that gave you this story also, or suggested the story, suggested the story to me, and I didn't want to do it because it was a whaler ship. I didn't read it, though. I just saw a whaler oh, okay. ship, and I was like, nope. Okay, get ready. Right. Um, so basically, I'm just going to jump to the part where we get to the, the, the shit. Got it. Okay. So this is its final vo- voyage. It left from Nantucket on August 12th, 1819. Okay. Um, it was supposed to be a two-and-a-half-year voyage terrifying oh god no, thank you three-week cruise is about all i can handle uh, yeah <laughs> and that's with a pull and a slide yeah exactly so i wonder what they do so it's a whaling ship so obviously they're killing whales and other fish i'm sure how big is the ship like where do they hold well, all this meat interesting that you asked me that hold please um it was you can get you can get back to it later if it's in like your story. Hold on, I'm looking. I'm looking. It's in here somewhere. I'm just looking for it real quick. Um, I think it's gonna tell me at some point. Oh, the Essex was recently totally refitted before this final voyage, but it was only 88 feet in length, hmm. which is a pretty small whaling ship. Okay, and it was measuring about 239 tons burthen. So, I don't know what that means at all, but. Cool. Great. Um, She was small for a whale ship. Got it. (laughs) Moving on. She was equipped with four whale boats, and they were each 28 feet in length. Um, And there was also a spare whale boat below uh, the decks. 
Um, the boats were clinker built, which means that the planks overlapped each other instead of fitting flush. Okay. That sounds wrong. That's I'm so not a boat builder, but I'm going to be honest with you. That sounds wrong. I wonder why. It just I don't know. doesn't. Maybe they were cheaper that way? Maybe. Whatevs. So um, basically, there were uh, 21 men on the ship, and they were going to uh, go to the Bountiful Whaling Grounds off the coast of South America. So they're going from Massachusetts all the way down to South That's America. That's a long trip. Hence the two and a half year situation. Yep. Okay. So two days after leaving Nantucket, a sudden squall hit the Essex in the Gulf Stream. It knocked her on her beam ends. Again, I don't know what that means. Nearly sinking her. So right then and there, it's already like shitty. Um, she lost her something sail. Top, gal- top gallant sail. Something, yeah. Mm-hmm. Some and sail. two of the whale boats were destroyed. So they had those little boats that they're supposed to go out mm-hmm. and like, actually, I think, hunt the whales. Oh, darn. That's mm-hmm. too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Captain Pollard was the captain of the ship. But he, he, instead of stopping and trying to fix the damaged whale boats, he decided he wanted to keep going. Oh, Like, great. F that. We're going to keep going. Okay, buddy. Um, Essex rounded Cape Horn in January of 1820 after a five-week transit, which was extremely slow. Um, so basically, oh, oh, something is vibrating in here. It is my... It's her sorry. Apple Watch. It's my watch. <laughs> um, so basically what happened is the crew began to talk of ill omens because there were a lot of things that were going wrong on this trip and they were just the spirits of the crew was and it's low. two years like i'm over it get me off this right fucking boat um so a sailor named henry dewitt that was on the boat uh in september of 1820 he deserted he was like see Peace you suckers. um so now the crew of the essex was down to 20 men um and that was kind of a problem um sailors fled uh Fred fled whaling ships all the time, like deserted. Okay. Because it's kind of a hard life. Um, but it was bad news for the Captain Pollard um, because each whaling boat required a crew of six. So um, mm-hmm. now they only had 20 people. Mm-hmm. So they could only That's do. A problem. Yeah. So um, only two men would remain to keep the Essex while a whale hunt was in progress. Okay. So, like, they could have out, um, what is that? Three. Three ships three whaling boats out six times three 18. right and then two had to stay on the essex and that wasn't enough to keep the essex doing what it needed to do okay. as the big ship of the whaling expedition okay, okay. i learned about a, a lot about boats I'm during this a lot right now <laughs> um so captain pollard was not happy with this but whatever um when they got to where they were going for the whaling like this this it was supposed to be bountiful as they said um, when they got there, they found out that pretty much most of the whales, uh, had been depleted in that area, which is sad because we like whales. Yeah. Um, so when they found out that the whales were exhausted in the area, the crew encountered other whalers who told them of a vast newly discovered hunting ground, mm-hmm. uh, known as the offshore ground located between five and 10 degrees South latitude between 105 and 125 degrees West longitude. <laughs> I love that place. Me too. It's like my favorite destination. Well, put sunscreen on me though. <laughs> uh, it was an immense distance from known shores for the whalers and the crew had heard rumors that cannibals populated the many mm. islands of the South Pacific. Mm-mm. Yikers. Um, so they stopped to make repairs and resupply in the Galapagos Islands. So they're restocking. They're getting their shit together. Um, they had a week at anchor. 
Uh, they captured 300 Galapagos giant tortoises to supplement the ship's food stores. Sorry, they're eating the tortoises. Mm. Um, and then they sailed for Charles Island, where on October 22nd, they took another 60 tortoises. So these things were huge. The tortoises weighed from 100 to 800 pounds. What? 800 each. pounds? 100 to 800 pounds each. Wow, that's huge. That's insanity. I can't even visualize like how I can't. I don't even know how much 100. I mean, I know how much 100 pounds is. 800 pounds? I can't even imagine it. Jesus. Okay. Uh, they were capable of living for a year without eating or drinking water, is what the crew thought. But in fact, the tortoises were slowly starved. So oh, they didn't let them. They eat brought them on the ship thinking they would survive, and they sure didn't. Uh, the sailors considered the tortoises delicious and extremely nutritious, um, planning to butcher them at sea as needed. I mean, I, I get you have to eat. Yeah, and at this point, they had run out of like the food yeah. stores that they had brought. So I get it. I get it. Um, so while hunting on Charles Island, helmsman Thomas Chappelle or Chapel decided to set a fire as a prank. Hilarious. You know how so fires funny. are hilarious? I love when I play a trick on Todd, I just set a fire. Right? And it's just so funny. You just burn something he really <laughs> just loves. Like, watch him run. <laughs> You're like, hey, you like that gazebo outside? Guess what? Gone. <laughs> yeah, not funny. Uh Captain Pollard was real pissed. And he swore vengeance on whoever had set it. The next day the island was still burning as the ship sailed away. Ooh. Um, fearing yes. a certain whipping, Chappelle only later admitted that he had set the fire. Okay. Those are just some like side stories that mm. happened on this. That's called bad karma. Right. Um, when the, the Essex finally reached the promised fishing grounds, thousands of miles west of the coast of South America, the crew was unable to find any whales for days. Ha! Mm-hmm. Tension mounted among the officers of the Essex, especially between Pollard and his second mate or first mate, first mate, Chase. Uh, when they finally found a whale on November 16th, it surfaced directly beneath Chase's boat, with the result that the boat was dashed literally into pieces. What? Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm going to show you. It was like, bye. Boom. Okay. At eight in the morning on uh, November 20th, 1820, the lookout sighted spouts and three remaining whale boats set out to pursue a pod of sperm whales. On the leeward side of the Essex... Whatever side that is, Chase's whaleboat harpooned a whale, but its tail struck the boat and opened up a seam, hmm. forcing the crew to cut the harpoon line and return to the Essex for repairs. Um, Pollard's and Joy's boats each harpooned a whale, and then they were dragged towards the horizon away from the Essex in what whalers call a Nantucket sleigh ride. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think I know what the name of this episode's going to be. Nantucket uh, Sleigh Ride. Uh, right there. <laughs> All right, get ready for this. You ready? Mm-hmm. You're going to love this part. The whale attack. Yes. Okay, so Chase was repairing the damaged whale boat on board the Essex when the crew sighted an abnormally large sperm whale bull. Get reportedly it. 85 feet in length. <sighs> like, Damn. It was acting strangely. It lay motionless on yeah, the surface, facing the ship, and then began to swim towards the vessel, picking up speed by shallow diving. Uh-huh. The whale named or the whale rammed Essex, rocking her from side to side, and then dived under her, surfacing close on the ship's starboard side. As its head lay alongside the bow and the tail by the stern, it was motionless and appeared to be stunned. 
Chase prepared to harpoon it from the deck when he realized that its tail was only inches from the rudder, which the whale could easily destroy if provoked by an attempt to kill it. Fearing to leave the ship stuck thousands of miles from land with no way to steer, Chase hesitated. The whale recovered, swam several hundred feet, or I'm sorry, several hundred yards forward of the ship and turned to face the ship's bow. He's like, I'm not done with you yet. I turned around and saw him about 100 rods, 500 meters or 550 yards, directly ahead of us, coming down with twice his ordinary speed of around 24 knots. And it appeared with tenfold fury and vengeance in his aspect. The surf flew in all directions about him with a continual violent thrashing of his tail, his head about half out of the water. And in that way, he came upon us and again struck the ship. That's what the first mate said. Yes. The whale, Sorry, the whale crushed the bow, driving the vessel backwards, and then like, finally disengaged its head from the shattered timbers and swam off. Yes. Never like, to be seen out. again. Yeah, get out of here. Leaving Essex quickly going down by the bow. Mm-hmm. Chase and the remaining sailors frantically tried to add rigging to the only remaining whaleboat, while the steward, William Bond, ran below to gather the captain's sea chest and whatever navigational aids they could find. The captain's boat was the first that reached us. He stopped about a boat's length off, but had no power to utter a single syllable. He was so completely overpowered with the spectacle before him. He was in short time, however, enabled to address the inquiry to me. My God, Mr. Chase, what is the matter? I answered, we have been stove by a whale. Ha! Ha! So, Essex was attacked, attacked approximately 2,000 nautical miles west of South America. Okay. And after sen- spending two days salvaging what supplies they could from the waterlogged wreck, the 20 sailors prepared to set out in the three small whaleboats that remained, aware that they were wholly inadequate of supplies for food and fresh water for the journey to land. Mm-hmm. They were too far out. Um, the boats were rigged with make- makeshift masts and sails that they had taken from the Essex. Um, and the boards that were added to heighten the gunwales and prevent large uh, waves from spilling over the sides. So basically... They were totally ill-equipped. Remember, the, they had certain whaleboats that were damaged. Yeah. They hadn't fixed them. So now they just have, like, these three. Um, so in the end, uh, they examined the charts, and they were trying to make their way back. Um, what really happened is that um, food and wash- water were rationed from the beginning, mm-hmm. but most of the food had been soaked in seawater. The men ate this food first, despite... They're increasing thirst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to um, say, that'd make you... It took them about two weeks to consume the contaminated food. Barf. Um, and they were rinsing their mouths with seawater and drinking their own urine. Oh. Mm. Several of the giant tortoises captured from the Galapagos were brought aboard. Um, but their size prevented the crew from bringing all of them. Because remember, they were so big. Mm-hmm. Um... The whaleboats weren't designed for long voyages, so they had been roughly repaired and leaks were constant and like shit was hitting the fan. Um, So basically one of the things that had happened is um, there's, there's a lot that talks about like they hit this land and that land. They found some fresh water, blah, 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 blah. One of the things that happened though is as people died, they had to resort to cannibalism. Um, at one point, though, they had to draw straws, <gasps> and they would kill the person with the shortest straw. Oh, no. That's sad. And, and then eat them. Oh. 
So it wasn't even like they died naturally. And then it was like, yeah, okay, he died. We should eat him. They're like, we're going to murder you. They're like, we're going to murder you and then eat you because we're hungry AF. I'd be like, I don't want to play this game. <laughs> this wanna... sounds terrible. Um, so anyway, uh, the story goes on and on. Um, by February 15th, the three survivors of Chase's whaleboat had, be- had a gun- again ran out of food. Um, 89 days after the Essex sank, the British whaler, the Indian, spotted and rescued Chase, Lawrence, and Nickerson, the three survivors. Oh, wow. Um, so several days after the rescue, the empty whaleboat was lost in a storm while under tow behind the Indian. So the Essex never made it back. Um, so basically, you may this may sound slightly uh, familiar because this is the story that Moby Dick is based on. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? I see what you did there. So Herman Melville later speculated that all would have survived had they followed Captain Pollard's recommendation and sailed to Tahiti, which is what, and Herman Melville is the writer of uh, Moby Dip. Mo- Moby Dip. Or Moby, Moby Dick. Or Moby Dipperoni. <laughs> Pollard returned to the sea in 1822 to captain a whale ship, Two Brothers, uh, it was wrecked on the French frigate shoals during a storm off the coast of Hawaii on its first voyage, after which he joined a merchant vessel, which was wrecked off the Sandwich Islands, which is the Hawaiian Islands shortly thereafter. <laughs> like the Sandwich Islands? Yeah. Um, by now, Pollard was considered a Jonah, quote unquote, which is unlucky, and no ship owner would trust him to sail a ship. Um, so he became Nantucket's night watchman, and every November 20th, he would reportedly lock himself in his room and fast in memory of the men of the Essex. He died in Nantucket on January 7th, 1870, at the age of 78. Oh, wow. So that is the story of the whaling ship of the Essex and how it was the inspiration for the classic tale, Moby, Moby Dick. Dick. What a great little story. Ta-da! And the real survivor in that story is that whale. That whale was like, get the F out of here. Get out of here. I'm tired of you in my area. Go. <laughs> so. There's lots more details, so if you're interested in this story, obviously look it up. Um, you know, I kind of just tried to get to the high points and the low points. That was a very good job with that, because that, that had a lot of detail. It did. Because I did start reading that one one time, and I was just like, uh-uh. Yeah, this is there's tons, I mean, there's tons more about, like, all the stuff they went through, all the islands they stopped at, but the ups, the downs. All you need is the basics. The, the main point is a giant whale... Kick their ass. Yeah. Kick their ass in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And they almost all died. Yeah. Well. And only three survived out of 20. So that's pretty intense. That's why you don't kill whales. No. Don't kill whales. But it sounds like back then it was like a really common thing to do. They could use a lot of the stuff from the whale. Yeah. So. That's great. Good job. That's it. I like that one. Okay. Good. Hmm. So you didn't want to do it. I know. You know what? You did it much more (laughs) justice than I would have. You guys don't want my animal rights commentary the whole time. (laughs) Trust me. Well, I knew you'd like it once the whale started attacking. Uh-huh, I did. So my story is something that I'm also afraid of, which it's something we do almost every day, but it's still, I get nervous when I have to do this. But I want you to guess, Jenny, mm-hmm. what this is. Okay. Okay. Kenny, you can't guess because you already know. You're out. Um, so for many of us... This is a daily part of our lives. There are 1 million of them in the U.S. and each day serving 20,000 per year. That doesn't really make sense. 
It's fine. Whatever. I got it at the beginning. It's math. Don't worry about it. It makes sense. Um, <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's math. So it's not. It's hard not to wonder what could happen when you are enclosed in a steel box suspended 10, if not thousands of feet in the air. What is it? An elevator? Uh-huh. Oh my god! Uh-huh. Oh my god! Oh I'm my god! I hate elevators. I hate. Yes, I hate <laughs> elevators. They're the worst. Put me in a steel box and make me with one coil and send me up. No. Listen, I have to tell you though. Did you know that um, at our work the elevators are on lift systems, not pulley systems? No, I didn't. But they do not feel like that. They feel like they're going to break any minute. No, it's on a lift, so it's like a hydraulic lift. Oh, so still, I don't like it. But it's underneath, so you can't really. I mean, if it oh, falls, I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's only three stories, too. So yeah, it's that. not like we're thousands yeah. of feet in the air. I once had a meeting in downtown Cleveland, and this guy was on, like, the 23rd floor. It was mm-hmm. a, lo- a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And as I was heading up to his office, I was I had a panic attack in the elevator because it was so high. I knew how high I was going, and when I got off the elevator, I was trying to be all cool, and I was all, like, red and flush, and I had to hold on to the side of the um, – there were like railings when you walked out and I had to like stand there for like five minutes and hold on to it and like compose myself because I was so like flustered. Oh my God. Man, none, the meeting didn't go well. Let's just say that. <laughs> Cause I was all over the place. I was just like, Oh my God, I feel like I almost died in that elevator. So I'm not, I'm not great with elevators. So pause for one second. Also, I had a meeting in Cleveland. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm having a little bit of a cough problem today, you guys. Um, and it was in a really old building and there was a really old school elevator with like the door that you have to pull, mm-hmm. you know, like a gate, like yep. a metal gate. Was there a man in there? Yes. I love that. There Although was that's a, scary. There, there was an elevator operator and that was his full time job. That's so adorable. And all he did was run the elevator for that building. And it was the cutest, sweetest thing I'd ever and seen. And he probably just loves He got doing to sit that. on a little stool and press the buttons and close the door. Have you guys ever been stuck in an elevator? No. No, I'd prefer not to. It's terrible. Have you? How long? Think about an hour. Oh! It was at a wedding that was on like the third floor and like 15 people got in the elevator. We were ready to leave. The elevator was packed to the brim. We were all pretty drunk at that point, obviously. And it gets hot. And it just shut down. (laughs) This one girl's having a a panic attack in the corner, like... We're all trying to keep the mood light while we're stuck there for 45 minutes to an hour. Did so anyone was... do the dick move where they start jumping or anything? Or was everyone pretty respectful? Everyone was pretty respectful. Okay. Because I would. Yeah, I was just like getting so hot in there. And yeah. And you're was... wearing wedding like a suit Yeah. I was wearing stuff. a suit and everything. It was terrible. Start stri- That's when you start stripping it down. I'd be like, let's all get naked. You guys, this is an underwear party. Get ready. <sighs> let's make things real weird. Let's make things real awkward right now. Let's play Twister. Okay. <laughs> So here are some here are some short little snippets of people that have died or have trapped in it. Then I'll get to the, the meat and potatoes of the story. So um, one time a man died after he was stuck in, in the elevator doors and his head um, was severed oh! when the elevator began moving. Okay, well, oh, I was yeah. going to say, were the elevator doors made out of knives? No. But no, you mean when it was moving. So maybe he, I don't know exactly. It went up or down and it, yep. That's yeah. not a that's not a clean that's yep. not a clean cut. 
a deliver in 2005. No, that is not a clean cut. In 2005, a delivery man was stuck for three days. Three days? Was it? Oh my God! Was it a Friday? And then he had to stay there till Monday. I hope not. There are no details to these. So Jesus. Okay. These are just. And he died, or he no, he lived. Okay, he was just stuck Um, for that many days. Worst nightmare ever: 26 cheerleaders stuck in a Texas elevator. I hope that elevator was big. I know. I'm sure it wasn't. 26 cheerleaders. I'd want to punch. Here's the thing: knowing 26, because me and you were both cheerleaders, so I can say this. Knowing 26 cheerleaders, they were probably like little tiny things. And they were like, hey, you guys, let's all squeeze in. We can make it. Uh-huh. I want to ride in the elevator with you. No, I want to ride with you. And then they just squeezed in yeah. and they got stuck. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. They were 26. probably in there like sardines. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes me sweat just thinking. Um, an 85-year-old nun survives four days being stuck in 2011. Damn. She was probably praying, though. Yeah. Um, let's see. A New York woman died on December 14th after being stuck between the elevator doors when the car began moving, crushing her between two floors. No. A man trapped for 41 hours in 1999. Um, and then an estimated 200 people died in the Twin Towers on September 11th. Yeah. So. Well, I feel like, you know. I know. You can't be on the elevators and. The, the good news is, is in. This is the survival story of Betty Lou Oliver. Oh, so, Betty Lou. I like that name. Betty Lou, um, she was born on July 16th, 1925. Mm-hmm. And they described her as a young 20-year-old bride. Aww. And she was an elevator operator. Like this little, like the Yay! man. Like that was her job. Oh yep. my God, I love that. She, Wait, when, what year is this? This is, well, she was born in 1925. So I'm thinking this is, I think it's 1945. Okay. That sounds yeah, right. So, yeah, so 20, yeah. 1945. So she was an elevator operator on elevator number six in the Empire State Building. Oh, the Empire State Building. Which sounds terrifying because it's really high. Yes. Um, so at 9.40 a.m., the there was a plane crash. Yes. In the north side of the Empire State Building. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was between the 78th and the 80th floors, and she was working in between those floors. And it carved an 18 by 20 foot hole in the building oh. where the offices of the National Catholic Welfare Council were located. One engine from the plane shot through the south side opposite the impact and flew as far as the next block. Oh, Jesus. Um, dropping 900 feet and landing on the roof of a nearby building and started a fire that destroyed a penthouse art studio. Oh. This is kind of a big, like, yeah. it was a little, it was a B-52 bomber plane. Okay. Um that we were flying it wasn't a lot of people thought the japanese were attacking us during this time okay but it was just an accident and i'll tell you what happened um the other engine from the plane so i had two engines um and part of the landing gear plummeted down an elevator shaft Uh oh which is the elevator shaft that poor betty was working on oh, so betty we'll get Lou. to that um, so Colonel Smith, who was flying not the Colonel plane, Sandler. Not, not Colonel, Colonel Sanders, Sanders. Okay. but I wonder if KFC was named after her. Probably not. No, no. Mm-mm. Colonel Smith lowered the landing gear, the B-52, yeah. thinking that he was about to land in Newark when through the fog, he saw that he was heading directly for Radio City Music Hall. Um, um you're not close to Newark. So, or Newark. Newark. Thank you. Newark, New not Jersey. Not New York, but Newark. Yeah. New Jersey. Yeah. So, um, it was a lot of fog. So he quickly began to, he tried to raise his landing gear, tilting the nose up. Um, and it just, it didn't work. Didn't work out well for him. Uh So 
They say that one of the, this is not funny, but kind of funny. They say that one of the secretaries in the Catholic War Relief Office on the 79th floor of the Empire State Building could see Colonel Smith's Clark Gable mustache Uh-oh. as the cockpit filled up with limestone and, and chrome from around the building's window. So he had wrecked in to the side, and they, she said that all she could see was his Clark Gable mustache, which I thought was a very detailed That is crazy very detailed, and that she lived. So he must have had, like, a very distinct stash. Anyway, <laughs> and in the same article, they said they thought that the Japanese were bombing New York. Okay, so, I mean, that yeah. makes sense. That there was the time. Yeah. So 14 deaths were reported. Um, three crewmen, 11 people were in the building, but Betty Lou Oliver survived. Mm-hmm. So she was working as a lift super, the lift supervisor on the 80th floor. And again, oh, this was July 28th, 1945. So it is 1945. Okay. And um, let's see. So she was in her car when the plane struck the 79th floor, causing her to be catapulted out of her vehicle. When, she, when they say vehicle, they mean like her seat, not out of the elevator. Oh. So I had, to, I had to read that multiple times and like look it up. I'm like, why are they calling it a vehicle? So she was in the elevator working <laughs> and part of the plane hit it and it like threw her out of her little like seating area. Oh, okay. Um, I hope that's right. But if it's not, who cares? So um, <laughs> if it's not, someone tell us from 1945. Right. So... The, um, she's lucky she even survived this because she had severe burns as well as a broken pelvis, a back and her neck was broke too. Oh my God. I mean, not like broke enough to kill her, but like she had broken bones and stuff from just this portion of the accident. Jeez. And, um, she said that she had just started down from the 80th floor and there was a noise above her and then a great block of machinery came through the top of her car. So oh. it fell through the top of her elevator. Was it the engine? She, I think it was the engine, yes. Damn. Mm-hmm. So she, this is so she was treated at the scene. Someone's at your door. Oh, okay. Do you think it's something important? I don't Okay, we're back. Okay, someone was here for Danelle's lawn. They were insulting my lawn, everybody. Hey. I, you know what? I don't need chemicals. Go away. Get I out. like my lawn to look like the way it looks. I like it to look like a park. Yeah. With who cares if there's patches in it? Get the out of here whatever okay so back at this okay so betty lou was treated at the scene in her little elevator and this kind of doesn't make sense but i guess it does so they first aid workers were there they treated her in the elevator and then they ended up sending her down to the first floor so they're like okay we treated her let's send her down the paramedics to the first floor did they send her on the elevator yes no Mm -hmm. i feel like if your building was hit Mm. by a plane take me down the stairs you probably shouldn't take the elevator they sent her back down alone in the elevator alone alone no Mm -mm. so the cables were weak from obviously the freaking engine hitting the top of her cable car and everything underneath snapped of course and she plummeted 75 stories down to the basement Oh my God. So that is yeah. my worst. I know. Fear. Do you think she was weightless for a little bit though? Probably. Probably. Well, definitely. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, oh. I'm imagining. So that's they, cool. Yeah. Ugh. She got to feel but like can... zero gravity for like a minute or oh two. God. I don't know, 75 floors. Oh, absolutely Dude, terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so her plummet still stands as the longest survived elevator fall in the Guinness Book of World Records. Wow. By the way. Wow. Um, and she did survive. So they believe that um, Betty Lou made this lucky escape after they realized the thousand feet of cable had fallen to the bottom first. 
um, therefore softening the impact when the oh cable car had landed on the in the basement. Okay, so the 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 cables came down first, mm-hmm. and then she landed on those. Yep, yep. So oh, the rapid compression of the air is also to have helped her provide you know a better landing. Mm-hmm. So five months after her trauma, took her five months to be rehabilitated and oh, everything. Sure. She revisited the building with the elevator inspector who praised her for guts and riding the lift to the top again. So she took a ride back up to the top, and she was like, "This thing ain't not is not gonna get me down." I mean, it's like getting back on the horse. I know you got to do yep. that shit. So Betty went on to live a, a very healthy, normal life. Um, she was, um, she's had, she had three kids and seven grandchildren and she died November 24th, 1999. So she lived a very, like a good, good long life. So I'm going to ask you, how would you survive an elevator free fall? You know what? I'm going to go with my standard answer Mm -hmm. and say I'd get low. Get low. (laughs) Kenny. Jump at the last minute. Okay. So. Does that work? No. (laughs) It does not work. But. I thought the same thing. So, am I so, right? No. Damn it. Um, according to MIT researchers, the best way to survive an elevator freefall is to lay flat, face up on the floor. I said get low. Yeah, but you got to lay like completely. That's like, low. Like spread out, like flat, which right. is probably why she survived. Because I'm imagining she was in like a gurney of some sort. Right. Maybe she was like laying low on the ground. I'm just going to keep my Get like low, 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 low. This is the only way the impact will be evenly distributed throughout the body. Okay. Fun fact for you. Okay. That's Good the story know. of Betty Lou. Betty Lou, I love that. She's the only person ever in the entire world to survive a free fall elevator crash. Wow. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. Okay, Betty Lou. So everyone I mentioned before, those were just, they were stuck in an elevator. Yeah. They didn't this fall. Was a, this she was a free fall. fell, Tom Petty style, free falling. Free 75 falling. Feet. Terrifying. No. Yeah. That's, I agree. That's one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Lightning, planes, yeah. elevators. I did watch something where it said that you're like 0.00000.13% chance of this happening to you. So good news. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. That's good. Cool. Mm-hmm. cool. Oh, Kenny. So. Weird news of the week. There's a couple fun tidbits in this weird mm. news story. I can't wait to I guess. I love tidbits. <laughs> so a uh, Florida teenager was arrested after being filmed doing what at a mall? Hmm. This could go in so many directions. I'll say he was purposely filming this. Okay. So it wasn't like someone caught him on film. He was purpose. Okay. Um, was he tripping people? Hurting people? No. Okay. okay. Was he riding down the escalator on the handrails instead of the steps? He was not. He was wrestling a fake alligator. <laughs> in like the like the um, coin area where it the fountain It was like a is. display alligator. <laughs> oh my god! I was gonna say area. skinny dipping in the little coin pond. You would have been close. <laughs> In the video, he is seen removing his sweatshirt and running to the side of the display, jumps over the barrier, throwing the fake alligator off a rock into the display's pond. Was it like a an inflatable alligator? It's like a big plastic one worth thirty six hundred dollars. Whoa! What? Yeah. Wait, was it? Oh, was honey. the alligator part of the display? Yeah, it was part of the display. You can't do that. Oh, but that's kind of funny. Picks oh, up the alligator before performing a wrestling move on it that police <laughs> identified as an RKO, a move popularized by WWE wrestler Randy Orton. That's awesome. He it's then an RKO. pretends to pin the gator. <laughs> was he on drugs? Um, no. 
But here's here's a fun fact about all this. Um, Sosa Hernandez, that's his name, was involved in a separate incident a week earlier when he allegedly performed a wrestling move on his high school principal. No. And he was charged with uh, assault. Assault, I believe. Yeah. Assault of an alligator or the principal. Assault of the principal. Assault of an adult. Oh, charged with battery on a oh. specified employee. Uh oh. Official such employee. Uh oh. Where did this happen? Ah, uh, Florida. So of I mean, come uh, on. I mean, no offense, Florida, but sorry, Florida, but you guys have some weird crap going on. Down I mean, there. we do in Ohio too, but not as bad as Florida. Yeah, nah. That was a good one. Nah. I like that. I like that one. Oh my god, I love it. I would. I think I would really enjoy watching something like that. Yeah, I feel like I'm gonna try and YouTube I, it. I have the video. I can show you. Oh, yes. but in live snap. action, like I would love to like be at the mall and like just uh, see that kind of commotion. That'd be great. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like a what's that called when people all dance together? Flash, flash mob. mob. Flash mob. It's like yeah. a flash mob, but with one person and an alligator wrestling. It's a wrestling flash mob in water with an alligator. Mm. Oh my god, I love it. Good one, Kenny. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, this has been sip survive. Repeat. And we hope you guys will follow us on social media. And if you have any hometowns you want to share with us, check us out and write us an email at sip, survive, repeat at gmail.com. Yep. And this is episode 11. We'll see you next week for episode 12. Bye. Bye, guys. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.